Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we are going to talk to Matt Seifert. And I have no idea when we talked to Matt last. I know that he's been on the podcast many, many times. And he's always bringing, you know, lots of knowledge to the to the table. And he's been out fishing and he's been out catching. So we dialed him up to try to help you put more fish in the net. And Mr. Hoppy, you're back this week. It's good to have you back. I, I, I need you. Like, we're, we're drowning over here. <laughs> I don't know if you need me or not, but uh, it's good to be back, put it that way. Um, last week was a little bit crazy. Chase and I were uh, out doing some filming, so it got to be a late night for us out there, and I wasn't able to join. I apologize. Well, I mean, I did manage to you know, pull it together, but it's never easy without you, Brad. I'm telling you, it's a struggle. You could even probably poll the listeners. They'd probably much rather have you here than not here, so... You know, I've, I've told you before. You bring the you bring the uh, on the water intelligence, and I just put the podcast together. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's, I have my moments, and uh, we all do, I guess. But uh, it's always fun to be on here. I truly love the podcast, and it's it's just cool. You're able to connect, and it's kind of wild. Sunday we got a wild hair, and we we took off. I don't know. We got on the water around ten thirty, eleven o'clock, something like that. And I met a guy who was just coming in. And he's like, I feel kind of guilty. I'm, I'm getting off the water and you're just getting on. And he said, I listen every week. So that was kind of cool to see. And it always feels good when uh, people reach out and say, hey, man, we really enjoy the podcast. And and we get that quite often. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, we definitely do get that. I got a note the other day on an order that said, I'm buying these baits specifically to support you in the podcast. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Brad, I've actually been fishing lately. I've been catching a couple, too. I'm not... I will say this. This is super strange. And um, I don't I don't get it because I've heard reports of people on the water. They're getting follows. Like, and that, and that's, you know, like, I'd much rather catch fish than get follows. But, like, I'm... And, and I have been catching some fish. And, like, my... Like, I'll say, like, this year with my time... My limited time on the water, my hours per fish are probably about the lowest they've ever been. But... I will say, like, I have not seen a follow in I don't know how long. I either get bit or I get nothing. It's the strangest thing. Is I'm, I'm just curious if anybody else is seeing the same thing. Brad, are you seeing that, or is it just me? Well, Jeff, it's pretty simple. I wear Bahio sunglasses, so it works out really good. And I know you sell them, so why aren't you wearing them? <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing the Bahios. That's not a problem. I just don't know. I mean, I've thrown blades. I've thrown top waters i've thrown things that should you know that would be conducive to getting follows but i have gotten no follows i like i said I either get bit or they try to bite and they miss or they get off but nothing and and you are right brad not it will shamelessly plug them but heel sunglasses are definitely awesome sunglasses i mean uh, they will help if you're using you know some uh cheap cheaper or inexpensive you know we'll say walmart brand or whatever and you switch up to Bahios, you'll definitely notice the difference there's no doubt about that yeah absolutely it was it was cool i was out last week when i was uh missing this podcast uh we were with jason quintano out on lake st Clair, and he threw my pair on for a minute and he goes wow these things are incredible I don't know, Jeff. It sounds like you're getting every fish to at least uh, play and commit. So maybe it has something to do with what you're throwing as a bait. What uh, bait have you been throwing? I mean, it's typically been bulldogs and suics that I've been getting bit on lately. I do think I'm going to try, you know, to just include a Medusa into the arsenal. I feel really bad because there's a lot of people that catch fish on Medusas, and I never catch fish on Medusas, but... That's self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, I will be straight up. I don't throw them because I have confidence in a bulldog. So anytime I'm throwing one, I'm like, mm, I'd feel better if I was just throwing a bulldog right now. So I end up switching out. But I think I'm going to try to commit here pretty soon. Like, I, there is a chance that depending upon how today goes and tomorrow, you know, morning goes, I might sneak up north for like tomorrow evening and then fish on Thursday morning and then come back home with my son because the kids' schedule gets crazy here pretty quick with you know, volleyball and football practices and back to school. So I don't like these, this opportunity to, you know, get away for a few hours, you know, short, shorter trips and, and fish is, is dwindling by the day, especially if I want to take the kids with me. And so I think I want to do that. And I think I'm going to try to commit to a Medusa because I mean, I hear great things about them. I know lots of guys catch fish on them. We sell a pile of them. 
So they're obviously a, a worthwhile bait, but it's, it, like I said, self-fulfilling prophecy. You can't catch a fish on something you don't throw. That is a fact. Um, but definitely the baits that you're choosing to throw right now are definitely baits that are going to get those fish to react to them, right? So I would say, you know, when you're throwing blades, you might see more fish uh, just primarily because as an example, it's probably more like a trolling bait where a trolling bait is just going by at a steady speed, right? That's kind of what blades do. And and there's ways to make those blades actually get some reaction strikes, right? You can change the position of the bait by swinging it left to right, increasing speed, slowing down, ripping it a little bit here and there just to get something a little bit out of the ordinary, right? But Ultimately, the, the baits that you're choosing to use, you're hopping those baits, and by hopping those baits, you're going to get more reaction and probably less follows in that in that realm anyway. I would agree with that, definitely. The baits that I'm, I'm using are inherently baits that do get chewed and less, less, bait, less fish follow them, but I just find it strange. Maybe if you're a... Uh, you know, if you're one of those people that's just been catching muskies and not seeing them, you know, shoot us an email, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're looking to offer up suggestions on guests or topics or whatever, you can also email us, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. I will be straight up and I will tell you that there's, I will probably read it, but there's a less of a chance you're going to get a reply via email on that email address. As per usual, Brad has Musky Mayhem Tackle to run. I have Team Rhino Outdoors to run. And so the the that type of podcast interaction is fewer and farther between. I also notice on a certain platform, people do leave comments on our podcast, and it's almost impossible for me to reply to a comment on that that uh, Podbean platform. So if you um, are one of those people and wonder why we don't respond, that's why. They don't make it real easy to respond. It's not like social media where you can literally just put reply. You have to go through a whole different like setup to do it, and quite honestly, I just don't have the time to deal with it. So I appreciate the comments, but I'm not intentionally ignoring you. I'm just telling you that's how that goes. So speaking of Team Rhino Outdoors and Musky Mayhem Tackle, if you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventure, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And as per usual, I say it every single week, we, uh, we've we recently gotten restocked on Musky Mayhem Tackle. We've gotten restocked on Spanky Baits, Musky Frenzy, Trilogy Bucktails. They've been out of stock for, I don't know, two years. You can finally get those again. Tons and tons of Musky Mayhem Tackle products. We've got Medusas all over the place, and I think that's stuff recently. Oh, Bobby Baits. We haven't had Bobby Bait in probably two years. Um, Greg from that makes them. He was moving, building a place up in northern Wisconsin, shut his shop down in Illinois, and he's finally started to produce baits again. So if you're looking for gear for getting out musky fishing, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And if you're looking for big-bladed flashaboo bucktails, you're going to want to visit Brad, and Brad will tell you where you can visit him. MuskyMayhemTackle.com. Pretty simple, right? So cool, cool. And you can also find Musky Mayhem Tackle probably on all your social medias, be uh, Facebook, Instagram, and you could probably go check out Mayhem's 10,000 casts on YouTube. If you're jonesing for a little musky content, you can find it there. With our 45-second infomercial out of the way, let's go uh, dial up our conversation we had with Matt Seifert. All right, our guest this week is Matt Seifert, and we've had Matt on multiple, multiple times. In fact, I'm fully anticipating not being able to get too many words in this episode because, you know, when we get Brad and Matt together, it just, they, they kind of take over the show, which makes my life really easy. So, Matt, thank you for getting off the water and talking musky fishing with us this week. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited. I haven't talked to you guys in a while, so this will be fun. Yeah, we haven't had you on in, I don't even know how long. Right close to a year but before we get rolling matt if uh somebody's looking to get in touch with you and potentially book a trip with you i'm assuming you maybe have a couple openings yet this year yeah i think uh, one day in september and um i have quite a bit in open in october so i wasn't sure how much i was going to book so i kind of left it open but now that i got the kids school schedule and everything i'm uh, i definitely have some dates open in october if anybody wants to get a hold of me i'm on facebook um, Matt Seaford on Facebook, Musky Mercenary Guide Service on Instagram, or my cell is the best way. Call or text 651 357 8709. 
Well, again, man, I want to thank you for you know coming out and talking musky fishing with us. But let's first off, before we get into this week's topics, let's talk about your season. How is where in the where in the world have you been fishing, and how are things going? Well, this year I uh, pretty much committed to leech. It's been so good the last couple of years for me, just fishing a lake that natural lake that has a lot of muskies in it. It's been pretty fun. So I started on St. Croix River. That's kind of where I live down here by the Twin Cities. Um, that opened a week before Minnesota. Uh, it was actually really good this year. Um, best year we've had down here in five years. Um, we saw a lot of fish, got a big one, caught a few other ones, had some topwater action right away. It was fun. And went to Mille Lacs for opener, kind of missed Saturday, really went off Saturday. But got there that first week. That was good. And then, uh, yeah, headed to Leech. Um, and it was, it's been good. Uh, but I did struggle. I'm sure you guys, I don't know how many, uh, how much open water fishing you guys did. I had a really good week then to June, catching tons of them trolling, um, and casting. And then, but it was tough the rest of the time into July. We got some big ones. It was fun, but we really worked for them. Uh, I, did you experience that same thing, Brad, in open water? This year, trolling-wise, was uh, super, super tough. And I, I don't know if that's primarily because there's so many people casting the open water now. Um, when you have a steady base that's just kind of traveling in a trolling pattern, boom, 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 just doing the same normal thing versus somebody that's casting and ripping a bait and kind of potentially getting that reaction bite. I think it's really changed the game in the open water trolling. But there's another component to that, and I would say that component is a lack of bug hatches. It's been five, six, maybe even seven years now. We've talked about it on the podcast the last couple of years. Again, I did not see any really major big bug hatches, and what I'm talking about is the mayflies specifically. And my open water became more of a structure trolling than it did uh, open water, I would say. And, And we were able to capitalize on some of that just off the structure type trolling and that was decent but the pure open water wasn't really pretty much non-existent i got a couple fish out there but that's it yeah agreed that's how i was that's how mine went except those we had a five-day window where the bugs actually hatched and on leech to say a bug hatch i mean when they hatch on leech you can't even breathe if you're out there at sundown um, you can't even see your screens and it was not even close to that so i completely agree with you um very tough as far as bug hatch and the the four or five days they actually kind of hatched and the boat was kind of gross with bugs and stuff we caught them pretty good but other than that man you're right there was if you weren't on that mud line near the sand you could i couldn't get a bite so and i kind of agree that the casting open water has definitely changed it as well um i feel like those fish were they're out there, you know, and the window opens, they, they eat a trolling bait that's going by, but they're in their element out there in the kitchen. You fish in the living room all summer. But out there that time of year, you're in the kitchen, it's eating time, but there's still muskies, right? So they eat on the windows and they're there. But now when they're sitting there, they're just getting pestered by baits nonstop. Um, instead of a bait up above their head swimming by, it seems like, and I've done it too. I went out there and casted at them, but they're down a lot deeper and they're just sitting there. Um, and when the window opens, they'll come up, they raise up, you know, 18 to 12 feet below the surface and start eating crankbaits. But I don't know if that with the bug hatch, 100% agree, that really made it tough, I think. The last four years been a lot tougher. So, uh, But hopefully we get a good bug hatch next year and it totally changes. But we'll see. <laughs> We're hoping to actually finally, I've talked about this for three years, trying to find somebody that can talk bugs with us. And I thought we were on the right path, and our paths don't cross. But uh, I feel like we, we potentially, Jeff, have a couple people that Chase Gibson uh, actually guided one of these bug guys. And he's too scared to come on the podcast, but he knows tons of different people, that uh, some professors that work at some universities, that that's their whole deal. They study bugs. And so I'm, I'm looking for that person, and I'm hoping that here in the next, couple months we can get one of those people on and and actually discuss what that really looks like and why we're seeing some of the changes that we've seen on a few different bodies of water here and throughout my state anyway yeah definitely sounds like we're going to be able to get some information out of that Uh, we just need to we need time to wrap that up brad 
you know this time of year is for everybody everybody's you know it's, it's sometimes it's great because this time of year we have lots to talk about everybody's fishing and we're doing fun things but uh everybody's fishing and they're doing fun things so it's it's difficult to get schedules to line up it would be cool to see i'm yeah we can talk about that another time but i've definitely had like some i'm wondering if it's something to do with how the winter patterns are how much snow we have i don't know it's just but a couple of years ago, we hardly had any snow, and they did they didn't hatch either. So I don't know, but interesting to say the least. But I did find one thing before I wrap up. My open water isn't too exciting to talk about this year, but before I finished that, I did find towards the end of the open water bite, I found some cool like migration patterns of some really big fish that were on those mud lines in that forty foot area, thirty four to forty two foot mud lines. They would all move at night. And so they'd move quite a ways, but they were on these deep sandbars. It was pretty cool uh, using sand because when it was slow for me, I was running around trying some deeper rock piles near the open water just because I wasn't catching hardly any. So I was kind of frustrated. So we cast the deep rock piles and shallow rock piles. And I did move some fish in some really deep like sand grass and stuff. But um, the sand thing, man, at night, they all... I found this area where they were moving to deep sand and it was pretty cool. We caught some big fish, slow rolling detonators and grenades. It was really fun. But I mean, it was, it's still, it was still tough. It was like you fish for three hours at night and get one uh, if you were lucky or lose one. So, but it was cool just to kind of, I guess not catching them a bunch of them in the daytime helped me learn something new this year, which was kind of fun. They'd all set up 14 feet down over 20 foot sand or, 24 foot sand it was pretty cool anyways that lasted for me about that second week of july and the last few years i always take that uh, third week of july off and hang out with my fam so i did that and then i started up on the 24th was my first day back to leech um for the summer peak bite and it was not happening <laughs> to say the least uh water got really hot really fast um they came up that week the 21st i left or the 21st when i was about to come back i started calling people and they're like man they're everywhere they're all shallow they're coming up and by the time i got there on the 24th it was 90 and flat calm and it it, that heat actually got too much and pushed all the fish back out and i'm looking for them looking for them i found them but they're like they were being really dumb they were uh net 16 to 22 foot range 10 to 20 casts off the spot just not moving couldn't catch them and they were swimming around a little bit but then uh we did catch at night so we worked hard it was hot it was calm uh we'd find some fish the only fish we found shallow were tiny fish um that are 24 to 34 inches but then at night uh weeds i just you know hot calm sunny went to the weeds so and there's very limited weeds on leech so burned a lot of gas every day fish you know 10 weed beds 200 dollars in gas later but um just keep rotating through them but we got fish and it started uh what day was it like august 3rd 2nd or 3rd we really started catching and that's when it cooled back down i'm sure you guys brad did you were you fishing in minnesota then or not when When did you say we had a tiny cold from like beginning of August, like the third or fourth, oh, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Right. I mean, we've been out on the water uh, a little bit every week. Unfortunately, we've been stuck in the shop quite a bit too. So our our fishing times have been mostly after dark. Um, the last couple hours of light and then into the dark and then back in the shop in the morning and work until we get everything caught up and then get back out on the water. So Yes, I do remember that time frame, and I will honestly say, because I was cornered with just having to fish those evenings and into the dark, it definitely was working for me. Yeah, yeah, that was how it was for us. We had a, and I think we should talk about that maybe when we're done with a recap here, but the moon phases this year have been very helpful. And the, the, every Most years I don't feel like I need the moon, but this year has been very nice on moon weeks which is a bummer because there's more pressure, but the fish have sure been biting. But yeah, that full moon, whatever that was. But And then we had, we finally got that cool down those first couple of days of August. And it wasn't much of a cool down, but it took that water. And leach rarely gets over 76. It was 78, 79 degrees. 
and it dropped it down to 74. Wind finally blew. We had a couple 62-degree nights, and they went off. We just crushed them. And I thought, here we go, summer peak. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And then it went calm again, kind of slowed down a little bit, and then we got the real cool down this last two weeks. Fishing been phenomenal, like crazy good. But for me, so technically summer peak really started for me. I had a small window for the full moon beginning of August, and then which the last few years, August 1st has kind of been summer peak start for me anyway. So it was pretty much right on schedule. But um, I thought for a minute there it was going to start <clears throat> on the 20th of July, which would have been nice, but it didn't. Yeah, I don't know. It Now it got almost too cold. So it was pretty funny. We we weren't catching fish on rocks till last week when it really cooled down and the rocks just went nuts. It was really fun. And now the water was 69. Two days ago in the morning was 69.8 and actually the fish slid back down to like instead of the three four foot crowns they were sitting on the five six foot stuff but um yeah really fun but that's how it always goes third and fourth day the cold front starts to slow down gets a little tougher but i'm home now for four days and some family time and then back up but that's kind of how my summer's been but finally i mean that first summer peak was kind of a false start because there was zero fish on rocks it was all sand and the weed fish have continuous to be uh, continue to be great all year for me since the about 28th of july i've been still catching fish in the weeds even that summer peak where i'm like wow we're crushing them in the sand and the rocks um, i'm still running those same weed beds and catching fish as well i know the last couple of days it's kind of interesting you know i mean like i said i had been fishing primarily the evenings into the dark and there's definitely a, a, a bite window during the middle of the day now. <laughs> and so that's kind of exciting. You can quit living like a vampire and actually uh, have a real life and fish during the daytime hours. So, but definitely something that I've seen too, Matt, and just, this is what I'm talking the last five days, is that it seems like there's kind of a mix. There's a bunch of fish buried in the weeds. I'm not seeing them relating to the sand. And then there's a bunch of fish sitting on the brake too. So, you know, they're kind of filtered everywhere and it kind of gives some opportunity for people to fish the way they might like to fish. So uh, I would say definitely that the bigger fish still seem to be sitting more on the brakes, but you can definitely go and dig them out of the waves if you want to. Yeah, agreed. I, they've really been everywhere. And actually, like you said, you're not relating to the sand as much. This year for me has been the smallest fish I've ever seen on the sand. Still right. now in like a couple four footers um but man a lot of like that 34 to 44 now um but not i mean i usually can find a 50 every day in the sand and i have not done that but that being said good point on the i wish i was smart enough to realize just to give it up but i had that 9 30 to 10 30 bite going so good and then a buddy of mine bob weeks was getting them at 11 10 so I started staying out to 11.10 too, and I didn't do very good at 11.10. I think we got one in two weeks at 11.10, but now I, I can't let it go, right? So I'm catching the daytime, and I'm still staying out till 11.10. But um, yeah, I haven't, <laughs> caught a, I haven't caught a fish past 9.40 in a week and a half, so that's been... But I think, again, that's that moon phase. Now it's going to peak here, the no moon. But I don't know about you, but for me, the open water bite coincided, like the good open water coincided with the full moon my summer peak coincided with the full moon i know i think they're supposed to be like some kind of super moons this week this uh, month or something i don't know i just go fishing so i don't pay too much attention to that but i usually tell people when you go on a trip um to these bigger lakes um especially smaller lakes um, i suppose but that uh you, well, I'm gonna go for a week vacation on a popular musky lake. It's it's usually better to go on an off peak moon week. I that's what I tell people. And then you find fish, and there's not 20 other guys that saw the same fish. So at sundown, you can't even get on the spot. Um, you know those off peak weeks, you got the lake almost yourself, and you can catch more fish and pattern them easier. Not trying to compete for spots, but this year's been. I mean, that's kind of been the good bite, really, which is too bad, but. Really, for me this year, the moons have been really important. Not necessarily the minors and majors, just those weeks of the full or no moon have been good for me. The best for me, for sure. But. I think it's interesting, too. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned that it almost seems like when the fishing pressure leaves the lake, that's when things have been really good for me. So what I'm talking about is the, the guys that like to get up early and 
they fish three, four hours, and then they pull off and go have lunch and rest for a little while and then come back out at prime time. Once they come back out at prime time, they end up leaving, and I'm catching after they leave. And it's almost like those muskies know, hey, we're being hounded you know, throughout these different times of the day, and let's eat during the other times. So I don't know if there's any truth to that, but it definitely feels that way at some time. Oh, absolutely. I think, too, you have these fish that are cruising around open water for a month and a half. Haven't seen a bait all winter either. And then they all move up shallow for summer peak. And they're like, oh, yeah, here's the musky boats again. There's a bait. There's a bait. And uh, it's funny you say that because after that night bite window, our best bite has been, I fish late every night, so I don't start early. But our best bite's been that 1030 to 330 in the middle of the day, the last uh, week and a half. I, I would agree with that 100%. And, you know, we've had some weather this year, too. And I say weather trumps all, right? So we've had quite a few storms. I don't know if you've seen them up there on Leech uh, as, as in the last week or whatever. But uh, what was it? Sunday, we had some storms coming in. And definitely the fish were going. And then once it started raining, I mean, we still seen some fish. But, man, they just did not want to bite at that point, you know? And I think uh, the barometer definitely makes a big factor in that. As we all know, the weather can kind of get them a little bit stirred up. But uh, it seems like once that happens, they kind of peter out on you. Yeah, agreed. We, we didn't have weather for, seemed like, about a month and a half. Just sun and calm a couple of days that sort of blew. But now it's been the last week and a half, a lot of storms rolling through. And the small ones have been good for me, especially the small storms. A little squall runs through quick and fish go nuts. And then two hours later, another one comes through, fish go nuts. But those big soakers we had were the toughest days we had fishing. Uh, if this, if the, And the pressure was so high, which I don't usually pay attention to, but I was catching so many fish and then it just goes to nothing. So I actually checked the pressure and it was, yeah, it was pretty brutal. We had two days where the big days of storms and I still had windows where we could go out and fish and the waves were perfect, it was overcast. But it just rained for five hours straight, and we'd get out there and just nothing doing. But at least we got some weather to cool that water down, too. We needed the rain for sure. But, yeah, it's been yeah. Uh, a good summer so far for me, I guess. And this year, I don't know, I'm interested, Jeff, too, for you on Wisconsin. I don't know if that heat helps the Wisconsin fish or hurts them. But um, have you guys seen, like, more big fish? Because for me this year – Leech is kind of known. A lot of people say there's no big ones in Leech. You know, they're 51, 52 is your top end, which I know a lot of guys have been fishing Leech for 20 years and never caught one over 52. But this year is insane for me for big fish. Um, I was just wondering if you guys have noticed of like more big fish moving this year or not. I personally haven't, but I, I've actually noticed more smaller smaller fish for me. I I don't know. I just think that's the nature of that body of water that I'm fishing right now. Okay. How about you, Brad? That's interesting. You know, Chase and I went over and filmed in Wisconsin. Uh, man, it's probably been about a, a month ago already. The first day it was 80-some degrees, and it was nice. And the water temps, I'm trying to remember, were probably like 74, 75 degrees. And we were moving some really big fish. And that evening, we started having to put on our sweatshirts. And uh, the next morning, we woke up to 40-some degrees. So we had like a 40 degree temperature swing and things got pretty tough. We got a, we got some fish the first day and then we went through two days of just this massive cold front. And that was in July. It took three days before they settled back down. The fourth day that we were filming, we ended up getting another fish and basically it, uh, they were both, they were following and they were nipping, but I mean, we were moving some big fish in that heat. And once that temperature swing came, it shut everything down. Okay. Yeah, that's a point. And that, that's opposite here, you know? Right. I mean, it seems like for whatever reason, the leech lakers like those types of cool downs and a lot of bigger fish. And you, you'll ride at least another day out of that system, right? Where in Wisconsin, I don't feel like you get that, that type of bite. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But that's what I've heard about Wisconsin, yeah. Wild and maybe maybe it's just leech this year. Just been been a fun year for, you know. I get a few fifties every year on leech. Some years are better than others, but this uh, and I haven't been guiding leech full time for. This is my third year, kind of 
second year full time. Um, it feels weird. I've been running around fishing so many musky lakes the last 10 years, kind of died all over the place, but it's been uh, fun fishing leech and it's been a great year for big ones. I don't know what's going on, but like 54s, 53s, 52s, 51s, like they're biting. It's been really fun. So no complaints there, but, uh, yeah. What else, uh, what else should we talk about here? Well, I got a couple of questions for you guys. So you guys yeah. talked about open water trolling. Is that, it is trolling anything you guys are doing right now or is it pretty much strictly a casting bite from here? For myself, I, I primarily use the month of June for the trolling stuff. And once uh, I start seeing the thermocline develop, and I know I've talked about this on the podcast many times, I, I hang it up. And the reason I hang it up is because those fish will be down there deep and they're going to have uh, some issues for releasing. And, and they're coming from so far down deep to eat, it ends up causing grief. And I don't fish any fish under that 15 foot mark you know 10 foot 15 foot mark in the open water i will not touch them whether i've seen them on live scope or i i'm trolling i mean it's the same exact problem for the safety of the fish i hang it up and i mean i i'm not going to say that i haven't done this but i i've fished the weeds trolling or break lines and things like that but it's primarily something that i do only to take a rest for my clients or I'm trying to experiment and trying to learn something new. So trolling really kind of goes out the window the last week of June, beginning of July, and I'm done with it. But uh, I will definitely go back and use it late in the fall because uh, when you start getting those really super cold days and you've seen it on Mayhem's 10,000 casts, you know, the last couple of years, we've done some trolling episodes in late November when it's really brutal and nasty out. And it's definitely an effective tool. But, uh, Casting is the primary go-to for me the rest of the year until uh, until the line is starting to freeze up and you can't turn those reel handles anymore. I'm kind of in the same boat. I will definitely, Brad's on a deeper basin lakes than me for sure. Most of his lakes out there are deeper. I mean, obviously we have Walker Bay that sets up the same as Brad's lakes. Um, but on the main lake of Leech, I mean, it's the most of the lakes 22 feet deep. But I'm with Brad. I actually got a light scope this year. So I've, any like couple hours off and stuff i've gone out and checked stuff out it's pretty cool definitely open water fish are pretty much completely gone um there's windows where they slide out there but same thing i'll see some of them they're down 25 feet they're just not they're gonna die so you can't cast like uh i'm with brad i mean and that water got so hot 78 i mean I like you couldn't i wouldn't fish at one deeper than 12 feet with 78 degree water temps ever they release hard you catch them deep like that but as far as leech goes, I could troll. Um, there's actually some really cool trolling bites on leech. I just don't utilize them. I like to cast um, shallow. And But these guys that are trolling, uh, there's some old timers that do some cool stuff up on leech. Uh, planer boards, four feet of water. Um, you can roll top waters down beaches. You can run. There's no weeds in most of the lake, so you, don't, you can run just about anything on a planer board anywhere and not get any weeds on your bait. And, um, you can fish all the rock piles, you know, if you're older, can't cast, you can run crankbaits all over the rock piles all day long, you know, five feet behind a planer board. There's opportunities. I don't do it, but yeah, I don't really troll much unless I have a certain perfect clientele for it that wants to do that. And then I usually put a mast out just one side then, and I'll run three or four baits, many of them people we have in the boat right on top of the structure. That's the only trolling I'll do in the summer though. Then my next question was, I heard you guys talking about weeds and you talked about digging fish out of the weeds. What's your approach there? I mean, bait wise, what are we using? And and when you talk about weeds, are we talking, you know, weeds that come within two feet of the surface, a foot of the surface, right to the surface? What's, what are we talking there? Well, I can say my experience here. I don't have the weed lines that Brad has. Leach has milfoil now. So we are fishing a lot of that, but I don't have, so all main like weeds on leech are usually in a bay small areas um, obviously porridge bay is a different scenario that's some there is broadleaf up there it's a lot longer weed beds but same thing like pretty sparse weeds and they run from that seven foot down to 11 foot on the main lake so 11 and a half 12 feet is your scattered deeper weeds and then you get like 11 foot like your solid weed line and they are about six feet tall and 11 feet of water so i have about five feet of water to work with 
And as you get back to that seven foot stuff, then they hit the surface. So I have a nice seven foot to 11 foot weed bed that runs from one foot deep, one foot below surface down to six feet below surface at 12 feet. So for us, it's been like top waters and bucktails, mostly bucktails. I am catching, I don't usually keep track fish too much till the end of the year, try to get a number. But in the last about three weeks, I've had four days off and we got our 56 fish on Sunday night and all like 30 of them have come on the purple gold trigger and actually the big ones have bit the, my guys that are reeling slower which i've noticed in the weeds and the rocks the one the guys reeling the fastest caught the fish but the guys reeling the slowest caught all the fish in the weeds and triggers smaller baits race weight so reeling it slower isn't uh i'm not getting in the weeds you know they're bringing it in three four feet down which is most guys bring it in four inches below the surface but the guys three four feet down I've caught the big ones and rubber's been okay. So like uh, ripping the regular size Medusa, um, I throw mag dogs. Um, Brian Schaefer was up. I fished with him for a few days and he was throwing a double dog, regular double dog, like the not a mag dog, like the regular size bulldog. And I don't even own one, <laughs> to be honest with you, but he moved a lot of fish and he lost a really, really big one in the weeds. So that's been good. I usually stick with the Medusa just because it hangs a little higher, but that double dog did the same thing. So, But mostly triggers and at sundown, we have been on a tear with detonators. I got personally got 350s on the detonator after dark in the weeds. And the weeds aren't super deep either, so we're actually moving them pretty fast. And I think all my detonator bites have been pretty much weeds i'm thinking if i got any on the rocks with the detonator the junior was better on the rocks at night but yeah pretty much straight triggers where it's like i can't catch them on we've got a couple on rabbit squirrels we've got uh one on tens and the 10 nine combo is usually one of my go-tos but this year the trigger's been i can't even take it off so yeah other than that the walker weeds are a lot of sand grass and there's some that come up about some weed beds come up, you know, six feet and eight feet of water, but most of it's 12 foot start goes to seven feet and it's like two feet tall. And that's where the 10-9 combo Medusa's and the trigger are still working the best. What about you, Brad? I've got a couple different things because depending on the body of water that we're on is going to be dependent upon what kind of weeds we're fishing, right? So if I'm, say, on Miltona, Miltona has some very nice cabbage beds, and unfortunately, those cabbage beds have kind of gotten beat up a little bit by coontail with the zebra mussel explosion. But I will say the big blades, you know, I still use a lot of cowgirls, and the reason I use a lot of cowgirls is because the 10 blades seem to push some of those weeds out of the way. Now, when you start getting into some of that coontail, that's going to hang up on your bait no matter what. I don't care what it is you're using. But if you have those pristine, nice cabbage beds, I will do a lot of times some slow rolling if I want to dig them out of the bottom. You know, if they're buried down in those weeds, I'm going to slow roll. And when I'm slow rolling, I literally will only use the reel handle to, like, pop the bait free from that weed. Instead of ripping up and trying to clear the weeds off the bait, I'm just literally just ripping you know, with the real handle and that will a lot of times open those blades and it'll push them right out of the way, allowing you to kind of be freed up in those, that type of cabbage bed anyway. So that's one way. And if they're down there deep in that cabbage, that's probably my favorite way to do it. Now, Sunday, we were fishing a different body of water and that body of water, I don't even know what, it, what it's actually called. I don't even know if I should say what I call it, but, uh, it's this curly stem. It's almost like curly pond weed, but it's it's just a long strand, and it's just miserable. And that's usually like six foot and shallower, and that stuff will come to the surface. You can't even hardly effectively run a topwater bait, and it's going to be hung up in that crap continually. So when you're fishing that type, type of slop, I will definitely make shorter casts. And that's very tough for me, but I'll make shorter, more precise casts so that I can make sure my bait stays clean during that whole time frame. And Terry kind of taught me something the other day that uh, I guess I hadn't played with for quite a while. And I, I use a lot of CJ spinner baits over the years, but she actually put on a hinge and she was fishing effectively through that shallow, sloppy weed. 
the stuff that is so nasty, you can't even get any kind of bait through it. But that hinge actually came through relatively clean, and she was getting a bunch of follows. And I know she caught a couple pike on it and had some other action with a bass and whatever. But uh, she definitely moved some fish using that hinge and that really sloppy stuff, and it was coming through pretty clean. So that was cool. Top water, I like the big blades. Like I said, the reason I like big blades is because they're going to push those weeds out of the way, especially if you got a little bit of heat on them and you're burning them in. And then I go to double showgirls quite often at that time frame too. And I'm not a small bait guy, so I really struggle doing that. But uh, I kind of have to do it after watching both Matt and Chase over the years in that sloppy stuff. They're burning showgirl, double showgirls or triggers. And it's a very, very effective way to fish. Uh, One thing I was going to say too, I kind of forgot to mention, probably the most important part for me, when that heat was here and I could only catch them in the weeds, it's always a good reminder and i've i learned this when i was younger because i was so excited i'm just fishing like i'm not catching any fish in the weeds and a really good fisherman were catching fish in the weeds um some of the guys i learned from and they said you need to slow down and ever since that i mean i i still would prefer to catch fish on sand and rocks but like brad luke bob bats everybody's like slow down and you're in the weeds okay all right so i slowed down and this year was really key. Like I was going 0.5 and there ain't many weeds on leech. So that also forced me to slow down. Cause I have to, I couldn't catch them anywhere else. I had to catch them there. So that 0.5 thing, I mean, I'd run through a weed bed. It was super windy. We'd be like 0.8. We wouldn't see one. And I knew there were 50 fish in this weed bed. So we'd go back in. I'd say, you know, forget it. We're going to go inside out. So I'd go up to that seven foot where the trolling motor's like just about to hit weeds and we could cast out and they're like 80 foot wide weed bed. So it's perfect. We're casting 130, 120 feet to that outside edge of the weed bed. That going into the wind, even though we kind of had a cast in the wind a little bit, forced us to slow down so much. Um, and I could run the spot at 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5. And we had just fished the outside, go on the inside, move three, catch one. And then I'd work the outside again and we'd go flying by. We wouldn't see one. Go on the inside. And the next day, if the wind was the other way, we'd catch them all on the outside because we were able to go slow. For me, that's the biggest part. And I didn't mention topwaters too much just because we've had that heat. So this last week is the first topwater fish I've caught in the weeds. But people need to remember that too. When that water is 76 to 78 and you're like, oh, it's summertime, they're going to eat topwaters. If you get one to come up, you'll see it come up behind your bait. It will start to get on your bait and it will sink back down. And you're like, oh, that one wasn't hot. Well, it's because the surface temp's too hot. They don't want to be up there um, for any prolonged period of time. So I definitely was that. I think that's why slowing down the bucktails was uh, better for me in the weeds. But it was, uh, yeah, this is a good thing to remember. Go slow in the weeds. I can't see your bait if they're buried in the weeds. You got to land on their head. So the more casts you make, the better. You didn't really cover it unless you cast every four or five feet in the weed bed. And it's hard to do with one person, obviously. But with three people, you can do it going 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6. But, yeah, definitely slow way down in the weeds for sure. I think going to that slowdown too, Matt, I think it definitely makes a difference on the depth of the weeds that you're fishing. You know, And I, I've always slow rolled cowgirls through those weeds. And, and the reason I do that is, I already said it, uh, one being that those blades will push those weeds apart. But, you know, if you look at cabbage, I would say cabbage is more of a free-flowing weed, and it's probably a little easier for the fish to see the baits coming through there. But a lot of times uh, when you get, like, in that sick coontail or some of the other different kind of flock weeds that we're talking about, whether it be the eel grass stuff or whatever, it's hard for them fish to find that bait. And I think they might feel it or they might hear it, but if they can't visually see it, they're not going to chase to it, right? So going slow gives them a little bit more opportunity to find that bait. But I think once you're in that six foot and shallower, you don't really have a choice. You kind of got to move that bait fast. And, And the reason you're moving it fast is that you hit it on the head when you said, you know, it's more about getting more caps out there. And being it's so much shallower, the, the frequency of that fish being able to see that bait quicker is probably a lot better than it is when you're six foot and deeper. Yeah, exactly. And if you got to move your baits fast, that's great. And then you just got to make more casts on the spot. Because I just, I'm with you. If they don't see it, if it's not within two feet either side of their head, if they're in thick weeds, they're not going to chase it or bite it. And usually the nice thing is they usually do bite it because they only got one chance. They got to do it now. 
but yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, a lot of weed fish this year for me, but it's been fun. Did and we answer the questions, questions, Jeff? Yeah, I think you got it. Now I was thinking about, you know, moving on. So we're, what I would say, we're probably slightly past summer peak, but you know, you guys kind of alluded to it earlier before we started recording was like summer peak can pop back up again because we've had such screwed up, you know, falls. Let's kind of talk about that. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, we'll call it late summer, early fall. Unfortunately, the last couple seasons, uh, we've definitely seen kind of a weird warm up in the month of September. You know, if I look back 10, 15 years ago, it seemed like we we would have warm, warm, warm through August. And then all of a sudden it would uh, have that first cool down. And when that cool down came, man, you couldn't burn a bait fast enough. And unfortunately, like I said, the last three, five years, we end up having this warm up into September and it just, it shuts things down again, you know, it'll, you'll have a little cool down and things are looking really good. And then boom, we get this warm up and it just, it screws up our whole system. Matt, how are you dealing with that the last couple of years? Yeah, I agree with you on that hundred percent. I would say for me, it depends. Every year has been a little different, right? So now it seems like if we can just get, I mean, for summer peak for me, technically that first, like when the water got back to what it should be, cause summer peak for me normally starts around at 71 degrees and it went from 68 to 78 in a week, shut everything down. Um, and now we got that back stabilized in the low seventies and things are happening. So for a, the last two weeks, week and a half real summer peak start for me. Um, and I'm hoping that this will hold like it did last year and the year before till about the end of August. And we're going to have those two or, you know, some cold and small cold fronts that will shut them down. It'll be great for two days, the third, fourth day. You're like, come on, son, come back out. Cause if the sun doesn't come out after those cold fronts that still the fish will not push shallow again, cause it's not warming the sand up and each lake is very stagnant. It runs out of oxygen if there's no wind. So it's just cold and calm. It's a bummer, but for sure that end of August, September, you're hoping it's super hot fishing's decent they're eating bigger baits not catching quite as many but the last couple of years it's been like you said hit or miss and when it does warm up late like that it's a bummer <laughs> i mean would, by the september you're thinking okay we got cold fronts cold fronts but the last few years we haven't really got good cold fronts till about that 10th to 15th of september so in the meantime then i that'll push me like kind of like what just happened now i'm still moving to weeds when it gets hot slowing down using bigger baits metabolism's at all-time high usually by end of summer so they do like bigger baits usually leech is known for small baits but i'll throw supermodels and detonators all day shallow and or in the weeds and we catch fish doing that the end of summer but in september when it gets hot like that it's uh and like you said i the last few years we've gotten this great middle of september bite for like two weeks and then it's 90 at the end of september and how i deal with it is maybe not the best. I just don't, I stop catching. I mean, I just, it's really tough. It's a bummer, but it happens. And that, which makes turnover even worse than two weeks later, but same kind of same scenario for me, go deep, fish the deeper weeds. I mean, there still might be some fish shallow, but they're not very active and they're usually pretty small, but yeah, go to the weeds. Same thing. Flat calm, sunny fish weeds, uh, especially on warmups, cool downs, burn bucktail fish shallower. But uh, yeah, I guess, I don't, was that a, I feel like I didn't answer that very good, but it's a bummer, I guess. But definitely just slide back off the brakes, go deeper and fish slower. And seems to work for me. Don't catch as many fish as if it would have stayed cold. But you got any cool tricks, Brad or Jeff? No, I think I think I think you made some key points there. I mean, ultimately, those fish are going to kind of go back to what they were doing, right? I mean, there's no reason for them to stay up shallow and, and try to gather heat and sun. And usually when you have that cool down, you're going to see the fish move to either rocks or sand that's going to maintain some heat and that's going to gather heat quickly with the sun, right? So it's definitely a key point. And it almost seems like when those first cool downs, you can't go fast enough, right? If anybody's seen Big Blades, Big Muskies that we did back in 05 or 06, it was a video, and actually you can watch it on Muskie Mayhem Tackle's uh, YouTube channel. 
we were fishing the Minnesota tournament trail at that time. I was filming Jason Hammernick and Billy Beekner, and we had that first cool down and you could not go fast enough, right? They're burning, burning, burning double showgirls on sand. And it was so effective. I mean, we, I think we caught five or six fish the first day of the tournament and the next day, I think they got one or two, but that is the prime example of what we're discussing right now for the cool down. But now when you start having that warm up, it definitely makes things a little more challenging, right? So all of a sudden, if we got a tons of sun and the, the heat comes back, you got to shift gears again and go kind of back to what you were doing the beginning of August, right? There might be off those deeper breaks and in those weeds. And I think that's one of the points that you were making there, Matt. And you might have to slow things back down. Maybe you got to throw some rubber or maybe it's uh, some wood jerk baits and try to dig those fish back out because they're just like, yeah, this is not what I was planning for. No different than me and you in the boat, uncomfortable in the heat after having a cool down. Those fish are feeling the same effect. So you definitely need to slow things back down and you almost have to dig them back out of those deeper weeds. That's, that's the typical answer, I guess. And, and don't get me wrong. You can find some of those fish, you know, sitting up on some shallower stuff, but generally speaking, look for the bait. You're going to find the muskies right there by them. And the other key point to that whole warm up thing is I definitely think that last couple hours of light going into the dark can be one of your best tactics as well. Yeah, that's very true. That was a good point. You reminded me of things I should have said there. <laughs> uh, another one too, for that, I think it makes it work worse for us too, Brad. There's probably some people listening to this going, what are these guys whining about? They're still getting to a day, you know, in the weeds. But for us in Minnesota, that's like what we, I mean, for me, that's what I look forward to all year. If I had to pick one month, it'd be September that sand rock and that inside weed edge bite. Cause especially for guys that have to fish weeds all year, like your lake is all weeds, but your inside weed edge, your two to four foot sand on that inside weed edge and the docks and under trees and one foot sand, you can go in there and burn bucktails and topwaters and watch fish just eat topwaters and high speed bucktails in a foot of water. After you've been fishing in the weeds all year, like it's awesome. It's the best time of the year for us. So when the fish leave that, we're like, ah, ah, you know, we're so bummed. So it's probably worse for us Minnesota guys that fish all the time. Other people are probably wondering what's the big deal if the fish slide back off that. But that's the bite we've been waiting for all year. And we're so bummed when it warms up. But it's really not the end of the world. It's, it is if you've experienced that bite and you plan a week to Minnesota and it's 90 and flat calm, that would be a bummer in September. But how to deal with that, like you said, those weeds. And one thing I've done good with is the, and it hurts and it's not fun, but a couple tournaments I've fished that time of year is we get them ripping crankbaits, like as hard as you can. And then slow rolling big spinner baits to get down. If the weeds are, you're able to get through if you're fishing broadly or whatever, you get down in that uh, eight to 10 foot zone with your spinner bait or ripping crankbaits, ripping rubber through the weeds. So it's definitely, it seems like they're stunned. So reaction bite would be the key for me in the weeds there too. So I should have mentioned that the first time. I, I do think, Matt, you, you touched on another point and when it's flat calm, right? I mean, those warm-ups, if you have wind, it's not necessarily as brutal, right? But right. when it's dead flat, say for three, four, five days, man, be ready for some work because you're going to be working <laughs> for them, that's for sure. No doubt. It's still September. They still bite like a lot of times better than the rest of the summer, but you definitely got to work your butt off for them. Now, the one thing I can say is I've caught some really big fish during that time frame too. So <laughs> it's one of them deals where, yeah, you might not get three, four fish in a day, but you might get one really good one. And that usually happens right at sunset. Agreed. hundred percent. And the nice thing is too, when it's, especially when it's calm like that, if you find them, they stay there. It's like they want to be on that inside weed edge right inside of there or wherever they want to be. And they're just waiting and they like, they don't move around as much. It seems like that time of year. So you I can pattern, take three days to catch it, but it's going to stay there, which is great. Sometimes they'll stay there for five days. I mean, you know, that fish is way more patternable than it is in the end of July. Agreed. I would agree with that 100%. They, they kind of become homebodies at that point and kind of lethargic and don't really want to move a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. They know they're going to catch a bunch of fish are moving up shallow, big 
push a bait up shallow there that time of year so um, a lot of those bigger shiners and perch and everything's pushing up shallow that inside weed edge that time of year when those cold fronts come in so that's they know they're gonna chow up there and they can and the water's still too warm the ciscos are deep in that thermocline and they can just sit there and chow so i feel like that's the one time of year that when they're shallow they're actually eating not just digesting their food agreed all right matt so We've played a little game called Five Questions on podcast recently. I need to update my list of questions here one of these days, but let me pick a few of them. I think this first one you've kind of talked about already. So is the moon a big deal or not a big deal? Uh, the moon is a big deal a lot of times. There's times where it doesn't seem to matter because weather, I think, can trump it. Weather and seasonal movements of fish can trump it. But moons, you, if you don't pay attention to the moons, you're missing out. All right. How about bulldogs or medusas? It depends on your body. <laughs> medusas are harder to move through the water. The snap of a medusa in, in the weeds, I seem to catch more fish on, but I seem to catch bigger fish letting that bulldog get down there a little bit. It's still a nasty rip. When you get stuck in the weeds, um, the, the shell or snap of the medusa seems to react a few more bites, but I seem to get the bigger ones on mag dogs when I'm down in the weeds a little deeper, but I, my body is getting pretty wore out and getting that bulldog through one snap instead of continually snapping the entire retrieve is a little easier for me. So, but both have their time and place for sure. Can I weigh in on that? Jeff? Yeah, go ahead. I just want to weigh in on one little thing. I think one of the things that people neglect to think about when they're talking about mag dogs or bulldogs in general versus the Medusa, I think the, the bulldog is more of a hopping bait where the Medusa is more of a gliding. So when you, when you rip on a Medusa, it glides more, I would say, than, than a bulldog. Just something I wanted to throw in there. Yeah, when you snap a bulldog, the head dies back down, especially the new pro dogs. With that joint and body, that's the best bulldog ever. Yeah, for sure. And those those medusas, you rip them, man, and they they're hard to get to move through the water. So, but I prefer to snap the medusa really hard, short snaps, constant, and it really creates. But it hurts. I mean, <laughs> I'm 41 years old, and I got all kinds of back problems from playing sports when I was younger. But um, or doing whatever, snowboarding, and uh, yeah, it was. I don't know. I like them both, though. I like when I got young guys in the boat that like to rip Medusas. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. Let's go with uh, full moon or new moon. Uh, me and Brad are going to have the same answer on this one. Um, no moon in the summer. End of August, September, October, full moon. Brad, would, is that what you're going with on that? Yeah, I definitely think they can both be effective, right? But... Uh, <laughs> And so when I try to plan trips, I, I always try to put it around that time frame, kind of like Matt was talking about earlier in this uh, whole podcast. But, you know, I look at it this way. You get uh, a full moon and a new moon once a month, right? So you definitely want to pay attention to that and, and make your trips count when that's, when you're around those time frames. Moving on, are you going to go with – do you, do you typically like to lean on single blades or double blades? Uh, double blades. Okay. And how about uh, burning or slow rolling? Uh, I'm a burn. I prefer fast. Yeah. All right. Well, that's five questions, Brad. It's quick. It's easy. One word answers. <laughs> you need to help me uh, update my list, though, Brad. I only got like, I don't know, 12 questions on here. And so I keep picking similar ones, but you need to help me update my list one of these days. Yeah, we, we can do that. I will put my thinking cap on and, and try to jot down some notes. Definitely. All right, Matt, I want to thank you for talking muskies with us. Unfortunately, I got to cut you off at some point today because um, Brad and I are late. We're we're uh, behind the, the eight ball again on this one. It's oh, 10.30 on Tuesday, and this one comes out at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. So I got to get to <laughs> editing. And I have a bunch of other work to do today, and I think the kids start volleyball games tonight, so it's always a fun time. But I want, I want to thank you for, for your time, Matt. And, again, if people are looking to get in touch with you to book trips, how do they go about doing that? 
Uh, my phone's best. I never check Facebook or Instagram hardly. I'm too busy fishing, but I'll uh, just text or call 651-357-8709. Uh, if I don't answer, leave me, text me and I'll get back to you when I'm done fishing. Well, I wish you the best this fall and who knows, maybe our paths will cross on this podcast again this fall. If you, uh, I don't know if you're going to visit Hoppy at all this fall, but typically he likes to rope guys in when they're, when they're up there fishing with him. But, uh, you know, we might have you on it again this fall, but if not, I wish you the best this fall. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in for another episode and we will be back with another one again next Wednesday. Perfect. Thanks for having me guys. It's always fun. We'll do another one this fall for sure. That sounds good. Yeah, thank you, man.